Well, you sound great. You look great. It's a good day to be to church. And I don't, I don't plan on taking a, a ton of time because I'm going to send you out on a mission this week. We are kicking off Love Week 20. What year is it? 2018. Love Week 2018. It's an it's a amazing week of the year in the life of our church, and I am excited to get things going. In fact, our West Campus already started yesterday. They were down at the Seafarers Mission uh, doing some landscaping and just cleaning up and just doing amazing work. So it's awesome. It's already begun, and uh, we're going to receive an offering here. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Love Week as I, I, I teach, but I'm going to kind of combine uh, Love Week and our Turn the Key series. I did this on purpose, and uh, I hope this is going to help connect some dots. Uh, I, I am excited to be jumping into Love Week this week, and I just even sense the wisdom of God on it. Um, how many of you were here last week? Um, it was a powerful weekend in the life of our church. God just seemed to move in a real powerful and tangible way. And I'm thankful for that and expect God to continue to move in those ways. But I'm also glad that this week uh, we're coming off the mountain and we're going to head out into the streets and we're going to show the love of God. I think one of the big mistakes a lot of churches make is when you have those encounters with God, what we're tempted to do as human beings is enshrine them and set up camp and just stay there and make that the standard that says, unless God does those things and it feels like that, we didn't have church. And that's how we get into these kind of cycles of religious performance and we try to hype ourselves up. And I love the wisdom of God, like on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus showed his glory and Peter wanted to do just that. He said, let's build a temple and let's just stay here forever. Jesus says, no, we've got a world to save. And he leaves the mountain and goes down into the streets. And I'm excited that this week, on the heels of that beautiful week we had last week, we're going to just jump out and we're going to head into the streets and into, the, into our city and show the love of God. But I want to just teach on the key of generosity. The key of generosity. If you're just joining us, we have for the last, can you believe it, seven weeks been in a series called Turn the Key. We're almost done. We're about to land the plane. Uh, but for seven weeks, we've been ask, asking the question, how do we access all that God has for us? We, we, we said that we're tired of reading the Bible and, and seeing a gap between Okay, we got Bible promotions happening. Get your Bibles, get your Bibles. We got Bibles in the aisles. Well, I want to go to a popcorn and Bibles. Who needs a Bible? If you do need a Bible, grab a Bible. Just slip your hand up. We're going to be in, I'm getting like owned by the red shirts right now. Pastor, we are a Bible church. And if you don't call out the Bible, I'm just going to come up and hold them up. So if, you, uh, if anybody needs a Bible, slip your hand up. That's our gift to you. But uh, what I was saying is we're in this series called Turn the Key, we're looking at keys that help us access what God has for us. And we believe that God wants us to be, to be blessed, that God's heart for us is that we would prosper, that we would, we would see fruitfulness. This is what he meant when he said, you'll shine like the stars, that, that it is to the glory of the Father that you'll bear much fruit. And so we have been just looking at, okay, if that's not been my story, then what is it I'm missing because I don't believe Jesus is a liar. God's a man that he can lie. So we've been week by week looking at different keys. I hope it's been helping you. It's been helping me a lot. And so this week, though, I want to look at the key of generosity as we kind of launch into our Love Week initiative and how generosity is actually the key that unlocks just significant flourishing in your life. And to do that, I do want to look at the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, uh, turn to, uh, you, you hopefully got one from our red shirts. If you're online, you can go on uversion.com or uh, bible.org or Blue Letter Bible or Bible Gateway. There's all kinds of options. Um, but you can follow along on your phone or with the good old-fashioned real Bible like me. First uh, Timothy, First Timothy chapter 6, I just want to read one little piece of scripture. Paul is writing to Timothy, his young protege. 
And Timothy was the pastor of a church in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And at the time uh, this was written, Ephesus was a leading city, and the church in Ephesus was the largest church uh, to date. It was this big, growing, bustling church, and Timothy was this young man who was in charge of it. And so Paul's writing Timothy with some instruction on how to help the people in Ephesus, the Christians in Ephesus, live the life that God wanted for them. And he ends his letter with this. He says in verse 17, just follow along with me, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Where does arrogance come from? It comes from what? From comparison, comparing one another to yourself, comparing yourself to other people. So saying, don't be arrogant, nor put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything with everything for our enjoyment. That's an important sentence right there. How many of you know that God wants to provide and richly provide for us everything we need for our enjoyment? For our enjoyment. God does not just want you to get by. God does not just want you to exist. He wants you to thrive and to flourish. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Have it more full. Yeah, have it more abundantly. I have come that you would thrive and flourish. I want to just begin today by confronting that lie that says, if you follow Jesus, it's burlap and sacks. No, not necessarily. And if God calls you to that, you're happy about it. Because this is the deal. God calls you to thrive and flourish. He doesn't call us all to have Learjets and snakeskin boots, but he calls us to all have the same testimony. The testimony is this. I lack nothing. My cup overflows. That's the testimony of the person who follows Jesus. That's what this is saying. And so, so he says, command those who are, who are rich in this world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides for us everything we need for our enjoyment because God just loves to bless us. And now here, look what he says. He says, command them, who? The rich, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of, the, of that which is truly life. That is a huge statement that Paul makes. And he's trying to help some people who were kind of not thinking the right way about what it meant to really take hold of that which is truly life. He was talking about true kingdom riches, which is the thing we've been talking about in our series. And he says this, tell them not to put their trust in wealth, which is so uncertain. And he says, you're thinking wrongly about being rich. Your problem is not that you aren't rich. First and foremost, he was speaking to the Ephesian church. Uh, Ephesus was kind of like the, the seamy valley of the day. It was kind of like the, the, the place where the economic kind of boom and leaders in the economic world were, were there. So there's a lot of people who are actually wealthy in comparison to the rest, the rest of the world. Now, I, that's not our context, right? We're not wealthy in comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah, we are. Did you know if you make more than $48,000 a year, you are in the global 1%. You think rich people are other people. No, you're rich people. Most of us are rich by worldly standards. You were on the 1%. I always thought it was funny. Remember the Occupy Wall Street? Remember that? You yeah, were the 99%. No, most of them were the 1%. Most of them were the 1%. We are rich, globally speaking. And Paul's trying to get them to understand, hey, okay, you are wealthy by world standards, but you're doing it wrong. 
He says, you don't know how to be rich. You're, you're, doing, you're going about it wrong. This, that you have put your hope in earthly riches. And here's the thing, when you put your hope in earthly riches, how many of you know that that, that line moves? And the moment you think, when I, when I just get this much money, then I'm going to feel rich. Because what? The feeling of richness comes from margin. And it's funny how we just fill up our margins all the time. And Paul says, don't put your hope there. There is a way to be rich, and it's connected with generosity. That in fact, being rich has more to do with what you give than how much you save. That being rich has to do with generosity. That generosity is the key that unlocks, like Paul says, that which is truly life. That those of us who are generous, that's that, that generosity is the key that God has put in our hands to activate or actuate the blessing and flow of the favor of God in our lives. And so for a couple minutes before we head out and we are generous like never before this week, I want to tell you what generosity does for you. Like what that does for you, like when you activate the key of generosity and you do something generous, what is generous? It's to give. When you do something generous, what that is doing. I have three quick observations. I'm telling you, we're going to get out of here and we're going to go and we're going to love the world. But I want, I want you to understand this. I'm not just calling you to do something because the Bible says so, although it does. There's actually wisdom attached to this and it actually does something for you. Now, first and foremost, write this down. Number one. When you're generous, when I'm generous, I'm expressing the heart of God to others. When you're generous, when I'm generous, I express the heart of God to others. Now, why does that matter for you? Well, here's the deal. The Bible tells us that God loves to bless a cheerful giver. God actually loves to bless us when we represent him. And we are obeying the command of God by being generous. This is what we got talking about a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus saying in Matthew 5 that you are like a light of the world. You are a city perched on a hill. Let's read it. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So get this. Jesus actually commands you to intentionally be generous to shine light so that people will see your good deeds. It will be noticed and they will say, why did you do that? And then you will be able to say, because Jesus saves. That God actually commands his children. One of the reasons he wants us to be generous, first and foremost, is because it is demonstrating the father heart of God, the, the, the kindness of God. When you are kind, you are operating in the image of, of Jesus. And so he says, you are going to be my PR representatives. Now, some of us don't want that responsibility, do we? But God actually says the way that people are going to know how kind I am and how generous I am is when my sons and daughters represent me and walk in my image, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. He says, you're going to shine in such a way that it actually causes people to see you, what you did, and they're going to ask, why did you do that? And it's going to lead to giving glory to the Father in heaven. And God blesses us when we walk in his image. How many of y'all are parents? What kind of behavior do you like to affirm? Behavior that represents you well, correct? And when a child is acting, hey, that's not what we do in this family, right? That's not who we are. You don't, you don't, 
You don't promote that. If you do, we should talk. You shouldn't do that. You, you promote the child who is walking according to the, the culture and the character of the father, correct? And so God loves to bless us when we walk like him, and that's what we're doing. We actually love not because we're first and foremost lovers in our own right. We love people because God loved us. That's why we love. Look at how John says it, 1 John 4, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows, knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Now watch this. But, so no one has seen God. Watch this. But if we love one another, God lives in love and his love is made complete in us. Other translations say his love is made manifest. What does that mean? It's saying if we love one another, that's when people see God. As we love, that shines the light on God. That's amazing, isn't it? This is why we started Love Week. Did you know uh, we started Love Week? Those of you who are brand new to us, uh, Love Week was something we started in 2014. And I'd been, I've been the senior pastor at King's Church for almost two years. And I was blown away by the love and generosity and kindness of just everyday people like yourselves and because I was a senior pastor, I got to hear more testimonies and see a better scope of what was really going on. And I would hear about, hey, did you know so-and-so did this, and so-and-so donated that, and so-and-so went and visited this person, and so-and-so did that. And I'm constantly getting this barrage of testimony of how generous you are all year round. And I thought, you know what would be amazing? Is if we could just all do it at once and just see how it went. Like instead of just doing it all over the place, which we'll continue to do, but what would happen if we all turned the lights on at once? And so we started Love Week in 2014 where we, we came together and we collected one big offering and we said we're going to give all this money away. Every single dollar that comes in, we're going to go and we're going give it, to give it to, to food shelters and, and homeless shelters and food pantries and, and organizations that are working with people in need and widows and orphans. And we are going to go into the city and we're going to help education and we're going to help child poverty. And we're just going to spread the love of Jesus in a concentrated way in one week. So we started that in 2014, and, we, and it's grown every single year. I was doing some math, and we've done this four times. This week will be the fifth. Uh, and the four times we've done it, we've already given away $446,000 in the city of St. John. That's, that's pretty good, y'all. And now the reason we do this, and the reason we get out there, and we put the shirts on, and we, we're out there serving people and doing projects, the reason we do this is very much with strings attached. It's very much intentional. We are not just showing kindness because we're kind people. We are showing kindness so that it might open a door that says, hey, why'd you do that? Why would you do that? Why, like, why, would, you, why would you come in and do that? To which we would hopefully get the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you why I do that. 
I do that. I'm generous, and I give away my time and my money, and we do this as a church. It's not because we're so great. Let me tell you why. We do it because God so loved us that he sent his son on our behalf. He died my death. He bore my shame. He, he went to the grave on my behalf. He rose again in victory and called me from death to life. While I was yet a sinner, he died for my ungodliness, and he called me out of my death into life. Let me tell you, can I keep going? We'll testify to why we are generous. We aren't just generous because it's the right thing to do. We're generous because God was generous to us. And so we want people to hear about Jesus. I remember um, it was 2016. And one of the things we do, and some people have had a hard time understanding this, one of the things we do is we give to public schools because we want to actually help those educators and those kids get the best possible education they can. And so if we can bring some life and joy there, we will. Some of you think, well, the go- that's the government's job. Well, those teachers actually have a tough job making ends meet with what they're, what they're provided for. And so we get this opportunity to go in and say, hey, what, what would you get if you could? What would you do if you could? And we've done that to schools all over the greater St. John area over the last four years. And I, I was so moved one time. I, my kids go right next door here at the Valley Campus to QES. And I was there for um, the Christmas concert, which is always great. But if, if you know what it's like to be the, in, in those rooms with hundreds and hundreds of parents in a tiny gym and everyone's like recording with their iPad, you know, they're doing this number. Right? And you happen to watch through their screen. Like, don't do that. Just, just public service announcement. I want to watch my kid too. And uh, so, so, so we're there, and the, the principal comes out, and we had given to QES that year. And it was months later. It was like a month and a half later. And she, at the end of, the, at the end of their thing, she got up. And she said, hey, I just want to take a minute. And she starts to choke up. And she says, I don't know if anybody from King's Church is here or not. And she said, this is a public forum. She says, I just want to thank the people of King's Church because they gave us thousands of dollars about a month and a half ago. And we've been able to paint every inch of this place and freshen up this place. And it has so affected the atmosphere here. The kids just seem more positive and more happy and more optimistic. And I just want to thank those good people next door at King's Church for doing that. And I sat there and I was like, that's why we do this. We, we unashamedly do it so there is testimony. We want people to say, why do you do that? Let me tell you why we do it. We do it because God has done it for us. God has been generous to us. And when we are generous, we actually shine the light of Jesus. And so that's what Love Week is. Love Week is this collective thing where we all turn the flashlight, the light on. I thought if we weren't recording, I'd turn off all the lights and, and get us all to light up our flashlights on our phones. But you can go with me. Like it gets really bright when we all light up our light at the same time, doesn't it? And then the city takes notice. And the public takes notice and says, why are you like that? And we tell them, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. So we're taking our faith public. The simplest way to point people to Jesus is through practical, tangible acts of kindness. So uh, Love Week, if if you don't know what it is, you can can find out more information on our website. We've got a a website, loveweek.cc. You can get involved. You can give. If you're watching online today and you, you can't be in this room. You can give online. I want you to take these cards. I want you to pay it forward. I want you to go to Tim Hortons. I want you to rake your neighbor's lawns or mow your neighbor's lawns or or do something kind for someone that just says, hey, you've been loved on and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. So we are are absolutely going to hit the streets this week. Uh, We're going to be Next weekend, coming back, and you're going to see what all of your money and your time collectively did. And we're going to have a great weekend of celebration. 
Um, but we're going to take an offering at the end of this service, and all of the money is going to go out, and it's going to help uh, agencies and groups in the city who are, who are doing amazing work. We, we don't believe that it's our job necessarily to reinvent the wheel. It's our job to come and see what God is already doing in the city and add heat to that. Amen? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to find awesome and tangible ways that we can give and help those in need in the city. And so that's what we're going to do. I'll, I'll, I'll take that offering in a minute. But first and foremost, if you're taking notes, just remember... When I'm generous, I am expressing the heart of God to others. And when I do that, we have that kind of well-done son thing. God loves to bless us when we bless others. Number two. All right, write this down. Are you awake? Are you with me? When I'm generous, this is huge. When I'm generous, I confront the poverty spirit in me. When I'm generous, I confront the poverty spirit in me. What do I mean by the spirit of poverty? There is a mindset that goes something like this. It, it kind of circles around two words, and this is the number one kind of tactic of, of the enemy. And it's these two words, have not. Not enough. And there is a spirit that wants to get us to operate with this expectation that there's not going to be enough, or I'm missing out, or I'm not good enough, or it's not good enough, or I'm not happy enough, or they're not good enough. And it's, what, it's a spirit that actually gets us to live in a certain posture. It's, it's a, it's a, it causes us to live with an expectation of lack. That I don't have enough, or there won't be enough, or I'm going to run out, or I don't have enough money, or there's not enough this. And let me tell you something, that is pervasive in the Maritimes. All the good jobs are over there, and the corporations are taking all the... You know, you know it? Like, just go read the comments on the Telegraph Journal. It's, it's putrid. It's putrid. And, the, and the, the ironic thing, and frankly, the tragic thing is, when we operate with that mentality and with that spirit, when you have a have-not mentality, the crazy thing is, this is both biblical and this is just practical economics. When you operate with the mentality that I'm going to lose, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose. When you drive to not get in a car accident, you what? Usually getting defensive drivers are the, are the most dangerous. Or sports. Let me help, help. Some of you guys will get this. Like when you're, when you're watching your team, you know when they're about to lose. It's when they stop playing to win and they start playing not to. Yeah, they start playing not to lose. There is this kind of defensive, pessimistic, scarcity mentality that can creep up in all of us. And the crazy thing is when we operate by that type of thinking, we actually lock up and lock ourselves out of prospering. Scarcity keeps us from pro prospering. Let me say that without stuttering. Scarcity keeps us from prospering. Having a scarcity mentality that I don't have enough actually keeps us from prospering. It's actually just business. You can watch it unfold. I mean, as things change and the landscape changes, I, I read an article in the, the journal last week about uh, hotels in the region that are, are, are kind of freaking out because of Airbnb, because they're, they're, they're getting their business chomped into by this whole new way of thinking. And they're now on the defensive trying to get, you know, uh, legal requirements so that they can kind of guard their, their square of the market. And it, that's, that's circling the drain, that type of thinking. The type of thinking that sees opportunity and sees, sees possibility actually is what sees return. It just is a fact. I remember I spent a lot of time um, in my teen years with an uncle. I have many good uncles. One of them works here. I've just been blessed to have great family. Uh, but one uncle I actually worked with, he, he owned a pest control company. 
Um, his name is, we'll, we'll call him Greg because that's his name. And um, I spent like a whole summer, a couple summers actually, just riding shotgun while he was building his business. And we went off and exterminated animals just peacefully and, and, uh, but did our thing. And, uh, but I was always so blown away by my uncle Greg because out of all my uncles, and I have just, I'm from a good, fa- good family of just good, godly people. But of all my uncles and my, my whole family, my uncle Greg was just really, really generous. Like just walked freely financially. Like he was, if I needed 20 bucks, I'd go to, I'd go to my uncle Greg. Like I just knew, I knew where to go. Like and all the kids did. Like you can talk to any of the kids. Like he's ju- he was just generous. And I used to think as a teenager, the reason he's generous is because he's got extra money. But now as I've grown up and I've had to steward my own money and see how it works, not just in the real world, but see what God blesses and the attitude that God blesses, I've realized something, that this man of God who's a businessman who God has blessed, he, he's built a, a pest control business, sold it, and now he's building uh, Expedia, and he's doing great. And the reason God has blessed him, I believe, is, is or the reason that he uh, has the means to bless, how do I want to say this? I used to think, that he had extra money, or he would bless us because he had extra money. But I've changed my opinion on that, and now I realize that he has extra money because he would bless us. Does that make sense? Like, he, he had this kind of mentality that was so free. He would just walk in such freedom with open-handedness that he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to spend money because he wasn't afraid that there wouldn't be more there in the end. And that's what God blesses. And I think the thing we miss is that when we, when we, when we have, operate by the poverty spirit, we've locked ourselves out of flourishing. And so when we're generous, we actually confront the poverty spirit. Look what Jesus said. Uh, Matthew 25, the parable of the, of the talents. Look in verse 29. He says this. Verse 29, we'll flip ahead. He says, for everyone who has, more will be given. Just at the end of that, guys. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance, but the one who does not have, even what he does have, will be taken away from him. Now, some of you think that's like a threat from Jesus. It's not a threat. It's a fact. When you live and operate in scarcity, you are setting yourself up for the results of scarcity living. When you live and operate in expectation and faith that my God is Jehovah Jireh and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he has been faithful to me and he has provided for me and I'm not afraid when you open your hands up and you are generous God blesses that he just does I've seen it in my own life God has been changing that in me taking you from living like this to to living open so you got to understand something generosity flips the switch of our poverty thinking and, you gotta, and this, might, this might hit some of you wrong, but you got to understand, poverty is systemic. Yes, there are people who are caught in systems, but even more than systemic, poverty is a mindset. Poverty is how you think. Here is a fact. If I could snap my fingers right now and evenly distribute the, the world's gross domestic product and everybody just right now, all 8 billion people, had the same amount of money, you know what would happen in three years? The rich would be rich again and the poor would be poor again. Why? Because they don't know how to be rich. There's, there's a way you have to learn how to think and generate wealth. And when I'm generous, it forces me, it confronts the poverty thinking in myself. When I'm generous, I correct my tendency towards scarcity. Like you just think about this last week, like how many times your tendency towards scarcity cropped up. Like if you're like me, oh, I don't have enough to pay the bills, and oh, I'm gonna do this, right? 
Does any, is that just me? That's just me, is it? Okay, let's all go home. You guys are going to give hundreds of thousands this week, I guess. And I don't have anything to worry about. No, it's just, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. And I'll tell you what, it keeps us in bondage. It keeps us in bondage. So the moment that I'm generous, it, it's, it's, it's assaulting the poverty spirit, saying, you cannot control me. I trust a greater power. That's what happens when you're generous. Generosity realigns our faith. Number three, and I'm going to be done in a second. When I'm generous, so when I'm generous, first and foremost, it expresses the heart of God. It confronts the poverty spirit. And then this is ultimately what, what it does. It actually unlocks God's blessing for you. God blesses us when we bless others. And let me just draw something back that, that needs to exist in the church. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And it is okay to seek reward. It, it, Paul, in his, in his thing to Timothy, he did not say, tell them they shouldn't be rich, did he? No, he said there is a way to actually be rich, and it comes from learning to trust God who really knows how to bless you so that you can really take hold of that which may bring life. But let's just get that whole idea out of the, out of the church that says this, that you are called to just, to just kind of wither up and die this kind of dry, mundane life. That is not Christian thinking. God actually wants to reward his kids as we diligently seek him. That's what Hebrews 11 says. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who, who believes or wants to please God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So God wants to reward you, and the way that you can see the reward and the hand of blessing on your life is through generosity. Some of you never see God show up or do great God things in your life. It's because you never step out in faith, in generosity. I'll tell you something. I, 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 this weekend especially, like I always feel nothing gets the devil stirred up more than me doing a basic gospel message. He hates it. I can know my week's going to go haywire. Find him. I'm just going to preach the straight gospel. Or if I, if I challenge you to put God to the test and you be generous, the devil hates it. Because you know why? He knows God will be faithful 10 times out of 10. And you're going to come back with a testimony that says, okay, there is a God. There is a God and he's good and I can trust him. There is a spirit working right now so hard to convince you to not trust what I'm saying or to not put God to the test, to hold on and be scared because it knows the moment that you let go and you bless, you're going to find a God who blesses you better than you blessed others. And it happens every single year. Every single year I get this bug-eyed thing that, that so many of you do for the first time. You put God to the test and you come back and you're like, you know what? You said be generous and we literally only had $50 in a sock and we gave it away. And guess what? I got a new job. Like I've heard so many. You have no idea. And I'm, I can't wait for this week. Because some of you are going to clean things out. And you're going to be like, this makes no sense. And you're going to do it. And you're, next weekend you're going to come back and say, oh my God. In the actual only appropriate way to say that. You're going you're to be blown away. God knows that the moment that you start giving, you're going to start being blessed. And that is how it works. Look at, look at what it's, look at how, how Jesus said it. This is the words of Jesus, okay? You can trust what he says. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. So as you give, God returns to you. How many of you have seen that in your own life? Like, as you give, God gives to you. Now, God gave first, so don't think that he's holding out on you. 
God gave the most precious thing in the whole universe, his son. This is what Paul meant when he said, how could he who, not, who graciously gave us his son, not along with him, graciously give us all things? So God's not withholding anything. But there is something that he does say, hey, as you give, as you give more, I'm going to give you more. And that's what he does. And he does it. He says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your life. He always gives you more than you gave. Anybody testify to that? I have tried. Like, you cannot outgive God. You literally can't. You, at the end of that exchange, will say, yeah, he got me again. He did it. Now, watch this, though. So, given will be given to you. That's the principle. Or the promise, sorry. That's the promise. Now, watch the principle. Look what Jesus says. He teaches us something. And I want to I end with this. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. To you, I need, I need two helpers. Uh, there's two guys, like six foot nine. Steve, and you're, you're like as tall as Steve. Can you guys come up for a second? So I just want, I want to, I want to be keep kept on my toes, and I want to look small. So, look at these, look at these two guys that are like six foot eight. Are you six eight? Six seven. Okay, come on, come here. So, so uh, God has given us. This is Steve. I know Steve. And what's your name, brother? Taylor. Taylor. You guys are really tall. Like, I'm not actually that tall or that short. Like, I, I meet some of you in the lobby. You're like, hey, you're bigger in real life. Yeah. These, these guys are legit tall. So Steve and Taylor. Steve Taylor, right? Steve Taylor. Uh, so, so God has given us each a capacity to carry the resource through life that we need. So let's make Steve. Steve, Steve you're, uh, you're going to be the, can you put the Love Week shirt on? Because you're, you're going to represent the King's Church guy. Because, you know, you, you go here and, and so, do you, so do you, Taylor. But just play along. You're, you're going to be the pagan. You're going to be the guy. You're going to be the, you're gonna be the, the lost. We're going to try to reach you, man. We're going to bless you today. So, so Steve, Steve, you have a capacity to carry wealth. And, and actually, there's some, there's some seed in the bottom of that one. So you take that one. Yours is empty. So, uh, so Taylor. And uh, God has given us each a capacity to carry, to carry wealth. Now, Steve knows that uh, everything, every good and perfect gift comes from God, that all the seed in his storehouse is actually a gift from God that he's, he's been provided to, that, that God actually gives us the ability to generate wealth, it even tells us. And so, so Steve is stewarding his life, he's paying his bills, he's caring for his family, he's putting God first. And then he comes to church and he hears the pastor say, now we're going to be generous. And so if Steve's like me and like most of us, he's probably already starting to calculate, well, how much is in my thing? Okay, so I gotta pay the bills, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do that. And so, so what we do is we start doing the math out of this. And so he's gonna be generous and, and he's gonna select a measurement. So you got uh, a tablespoon or a teaspoon, a half teaspoon. Uh, and I know what you're gonna select, Steve. I know because you're a generous guy. And I'm gonna call Steve. He's gonna go and he's gonna shovel some love and shovel some generosity, some seed into Taylor. And Taylor, you're just gonna get blessed. Blessings, brother. That's great. Oh man, a double portion. Check it out, Steve. <laughs> Steve's been coming to church. So now here's what God does. And here, here's the thing. Here's how God will act on Steve's behalf. So Steve just shoveled out some love to Taylor. And now God will come. I'll play God, okay? Is that okay? Now, can I borrow your spoon? See, God will come and take the measure that you used. And he will go into his infinite storehouse. This is an infinite storehouse. And it says he'll, he'll press it down and shake it together and make sure it's, it's, it's a heaping spoonful. But it's still the measure you used. Now, you did a double portion, so I'm going to give you a heaping double portion. 
And that's how God blesses us. It's the measure you use. So the key to God's blessing isn't, in, isn't necessarily in you being willing to give. The key to God's blessing is the measure you used. So here's the deal. The person who starts to realize more blessing of God in their life real, it doesn't, it stops doing the math here and starts thinking, how can I find a bigger measure? How can I give with a bigger measure? And so they start selecting... Here you go. So what do you, what do you want, Steve? I'm gonna, we're, it's, it's, it's Love Week 2017. And uh, yeah, buddy. And so he's going he's gonna to pour it out. You might have to actually, it might be, it might be the $50 in the sock thing. And you're, you're emptying it out. And there it goes. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. And he dumps it in. And then God comes along and says, can I borrow your spoon? And, and he takes it. And he takes a heaping spoonful. And you will end up with more in your cup than you had in the first place. And the person who really finds the in their life, the person, the person who finds it starts to look for the biggest measurements that they can find and starts shoveling it out because God loves a cheerful giver. So here's the deal. And get, oh, guess what happens? Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Taylor. But guess what happens? Taylor's so moved and blown away by the grace, grace of God and the kindness of King's church that he starts asking questions and we find he starts coming to church and he gets saved too and he's off the streets and it's a good story and that's how it's going to work. So can we give these guys a hand? Wow, this is... Thanks, guys. Be blessed. Walk in the blessing and favor of God. Yeah, be careful with all that. Be careful with all that seed. We have an abundance going on. You can keep the shirt. That's a gift. If you need, if you need a new size, uh, you can go to the, the, the resource table. Um, so the measure you give, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you have the opportunity to determine what kind of blessing you want to see in your life. And this is the place, this is the space of faith. And so we are going to take an offering this week. And we're going to offer our money and our time. And the measure you use, God's going to use that measure back to you. I promise you this. This is the only place in the whole Bible that God says, test me in this. In fact, it's a sin to put the Lord your God to the test, except for in this. Look at Malachi 3. God says, test me in this. He's talking about giving, generosity. Test me in this and see if I do not, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. I'll help your brakes get a little more mileage. I'll help your, your car, your computer work just a little bit longer. And the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all nations will call you blessed. All of St. John will call you blessed. All of New Brunswick will call you blessed. All of Nova Scotia will call you blessed. This is the promise of God. He says this. This is the word of God. And so we have an opportunity to actually put God to the test. And I actually love this one. Because some of you are like, well, there's the preacher taking the offering, look at them, ringing them in. I, I actually love this one because not one single dime of what you're about to give is going to stay here at the church or even go to the, and I think the church is the most worthy thing to give to, so don't get me wrong. But I want to put, put God to the test this week, and I'm going to invite you to consider to give and just watch what God does through us. But more than that, I want, to, I want you to watch what God does to you to see how God blesses you this week. It's going to be incredible when we come back next week. So there's a, multiple ways to give. Uh, we've got 
text to give. If you're watching online, you can text. You can, uh, you can give online on our website. There's a button. Um, you can give in the old-fashioned way, like, like my wife and I like to do, with a check and an envelope. Uh, you can, you can uh, at the back of the worship center and all of our locations, we have debit machines and credit machines. Uh, I loved it. Last night at the Saturday night service, there was a line all the way to the back, just of people waiting to swipe their plastic and to, and to measure it out. And so uh, we're going to do that today. I want you to stand. I'm going to pray. And we're going to launch this Love Week believing that when we shine the light of God, it is going to cause people to see our good deeds and glorify the Father. And then when we step out in faith, God's going to bless us with the measure we use. He's going to measure it unto us, pressed down, shaken together, and pouring over into our laps. So I want you to consider uh, what you're going to give financially. Yes, we're talking about money. Um, you know what? Canadian Tire money, I uh, appreciate it, but no thanks. Uh, we need real money, and we need real time. And, and for some of you, let me just throw this out there. Uh, for some of you, it's actually harder for you to give time than it is to give money. That's not everybody, and some of you wish it was that way. But for some of you, it's harder for you to give time than it is money. How are you? I'm going to challenge you. How are you going to carve out an hour or two hours this week to go out and do something for someone else? It might be as easier for you to write a check than it is for you to block some time off your calendar. So I want to challenge you to do that. So we're going to tally up all of our hours that we serve, all the dollars that we give. We're going to be uh, having a celebration video next weekend where you're going to see where all your money went, and it's going to be incredible. Thank you for trusting us with that. We are going to put it in places that really are going to make a difference, and you're going to be glad you did. And then I want you to go online and do, uh, do us a favor and tally up the hours that you put in and testify to it. Hey, bake muffins for the firefighters or whatever it is that you do. Go on there and let's just generate some love and collectively shine some light this week. Amen? We're going to shine. Jesus is going to shine. Jesus shine. Shine. Jesus shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze. Spirit blaze. Set our hearts on fire. Remember that one? Yeah, all right, we, we don't need to do that right now, but let's pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you that we get the opportunity not just to show your goodness, but to experience it all over again. And God, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for thousands of little sermons that say Jesus saves by practical, tangible acts of kindness. God, for the little side conversation, for even just the glance, that look, uh, when someone receives something, uh, that look that says, wow, why did you do that? Lord, we just bless those thousands of mini sermons where they all declare that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus saves and that God is good. And would it, would it call people back to God? And so, Lord, would you use every single seed that is sown, every hour that is given, every dollar that is given, would you multiply it for the glory of your name in the region? And would people come to know Jesus because of what we do? Would people come to see there is a great light? The light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot and will not overcome it. And there are people who, who live with not just the glass half full, but our cup overflows. And there are people who have great expectation that the best days are yet to come and the best jobs are still here and there are still great things happening in this region and we just believe that because we trust you Jesus and so Lord would you cause us to be generous today would you cause us to be generous this week and would a great great testimony rise up about the greatness of our God here in St. John in the Halifax and we pray this in Jesus mighty name and all God's people said amen, amen. so here's what we're going to do 
Uh, the band's going to play while you respond. We've got uh, buckets at all four corners of the worship center. You can bring a check and put it in there. Everything you give right now is going back out the door for Love Week. Let me just say that again. So just give generously. Uh, you can text it. You can line up at the back. They're already, there's some people that beat you to the front of the line, so they're already doing that. Uh, we have Visa and Debit and all that stuff there. Let's be generous, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's do it.